Welcome to the Man in the Mirror Bible Study Podcast. Today we are continuing on in James, looking at the subject today of how to make wise decisions. And our speaker is Pat Morley, author and founder of Man in the Mirror. Hi, men. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Man in the Mirror, Men's Bible Study. My first car is a 1954 Ford Fair Lane with the three on the tree. Get a little squeak in third gear. Okay, and so welcome to the Man in the Mirror Bible Study. I want you to know that next week, uh, Brian Piccolo, who I have watched his career from the very beginning, an incredible Dr. Brian Piccolo, a pastor and the men's pastor at Discovery Church. How many of you uh, attend or have attended Discovery Church? Raise your hands. A few of you have. And so he has a, 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 a new book out on empathy, which is a, a, an outstanding book. And that's uh, some of the things that he's going to talk about. But he's going to talk about his story. And he is a men's pastor. It's a big church. And uh, he will be here as part of our uh, pastor guest series next Friday. Next Friday, you have some sheets on your paper to take a look at. Today, we're going to be talking again about the wisdoms of James. And today's topic is uh, how to make a wise decision, how to make a wise decision. So as we do each week, we always think about our own shadow case as we're listening, we're our own lives, our own situation. So as we go into this, you know, what is the what is the the the, the decision? It could be like a super like life-changing major decision, or it could be a one-year decision. It could be a, a, a one-month uh, decision, a one-week. It could be a one-day decision. Uh, it could be a, a positive thing you want to do, or it could be maybe uh, forgiving somebody, deciding whether or not you're going to forgive somebody. But what is the major decision or perhaps decisions that you are trying to make in a wise way? That's what we're going to talk about today. First up is wisdom is the foundation of a good life. That's the message that we get from James. Chapter 3, verses 13 to 18, who is wise and understanding among you? So we're looking for an understanding of the wise and understanding man. Who is that person? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Okay, so... Uh, the question here is, why did the Holy Spirit preserve this text? You know, let them show their good life by deeds, then in humility that comes from wisdom. Why did the Holy Spirit preserve this text? And he did it because he wanted to show that wisdom is the foundation of a good life. And I wish I could uh, be a good artist and show wisdom is like a, a foundation or the footers of a building. But on top of wisdom, then, is humility. Wisdom leads to humility, or wisdom begets humility, and humility begets good deeds. And then good deeds are the, uh, result in a good life. Uh, Dylan, just a little too hot on the sound. Yep. And then uh, amplifying that, we're going to come back to verse 16. But that kind of wisdom comes from God this good life wisdom, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate. So James apparently likes to make lists 
like Paul, likes to make lists. First of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers is so in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. Okay, so just summing that, that, all that up, I mean, that's a lot of stuff packed into a couple of verses, right? So I just, uh, let's list it out here. So this is, this is kind of a, a portrait or picture of a wise and understanding man. These are the characteristics or the qualities uh, that might be some of them. Of course, this can't possibly be an exhaustive list or a comprehensive list, but it is a, a very good representative list of what it means to be a wise and understanding man. So if, if someone looked at you, you would probably want them to say, uh, and, and, and and increasingly say perhaps that you you led a good life, that you did good deeds, that you were humble, that you're pure, that you're peace-loving, considerate, uh, submissive, merciful, fruitful, impartial, and sincere. This would be this reminds me off the top of my head of that First Corinthians 13 thing. You have love is patient, love is kind, and you know, wow, I always fail that test anyway. So, uh, but this is, this is a great portrait of a wise and understanding man. So this is not a bad goal to have, all right? Uh, and then James 3, 14 gives us a word of caution. This is the sandwich in between those other verses. But if, now, but if, wow, there are a couple really interesting qualifiers. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. So if you're really, really, really ambitious, don't boast about it. Uh, if you're really, really envious, don't deny it. Don't do either one. Such wisdom, carrying on to verse 15, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So now uh, I put a little asterisk by bitter, bitter envy, and I put a little asterisk by selfish, selfish ambition. Is, uh, is ambition always a bad thing? <laughs> of course not. So James has put a qualifier on here. Selfish ambition. Uh, there is also... Normal ambition, wanting to have a better life, improve your life for your kids. There's the ambition to, to, to get married. There's the ambition to progress in your career. And these things are all healthy and good. It can be healthy and good, right? But it's selfish ambition to which the word of caution is delivered. And then also, how about envy? Is envy always bad? It sounds like a trick question, doesn't it? But, but envy, I... I you can look you can look it up on your own, but envy sometimes is when you admire another person, you aspire to be like that person, or you watch somebody else get promoted and uh, and that makes you want to 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 be better in your work so you can get promoted too. So that's why perhaps James included the word bitter envy, bitter envy. So uh, a word of caution about bitter envy, not necessarily just envy, but bitter envy where, you know, you're, you're resentful uh, of that person's success. There you find disorder and every evil practice. So uh, these bitter envy and selfish ambition, you know, 
AI is the big thing now. So let's go with AW, artificial wisdom. So James is talking about AW here. Artificial wisdom is if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition. And uh, that's when you find <clears throat> a disorder in every evil practice. So the internet, is it good or bad? Well, it's good and it's bad, right? So just, just imagine, for example, when the, the internet was beginning, someone said, well, we can't have an internet because there's going to be a dark web. You know, that's kind of like saying, well, I'm not going to have a child because he's going to be a sinner. I mean, you know, it doesn't make any sense. It's nonsense uh, because we live in a fallen world. And it's the same, it's the same thing with envy and ambition. Envy and ambition are normal parts of life. Uh, and then they can also uh, take you off the rails. AEW, artificial. All right, so Solomon put it like this in Ecclesiastes 4, 4. He said, and I saw that all toil and all achievements spring from one person's envy of another. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. He always likes to say that, doesn't he? <laughs> this too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Okay, I, I, you, I put it in a little footnote here. So small, you can't read it. I just put it there so I make sure to remember to say it. One should keep studying and reading the book of Ecclesiastes until it no longer produces gloom, but wisdom. This will take many years. I remember the first time I started reading Ecclesiastes, yeah, I, I didn't even see God in there, but now I see God's everywhere in there. Uh, a, a fabulous piece of literature. It is called Wisdom Literature. That's why I wanted to include something from Solomon here, just to draw your attention that the Bible has a section in there called Wisdom Literature. Job, Proverbs, uh, Ecclesiastes, for example. Or as Jesus put it, now we're still talking about A.W. here. Jesus said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So that's the word of caution. And that leads us to then we got these two kinds of things, two kinds of wisdom going on, good wisdom, bad wisdom. And, uh, and that leads us to the big idea today. Your decision-making process talking about today how to make a wise decision. The big idea, your decision-making process is perfectly designed to produce the results you're getting. So if you're filled with bitter envy and uh, what was the other thing? Selfish ambition. If you're filled with bitter envy and selfish ambition, <clears throat> uh, then uh, you're, that, that affects how you make decisions. And uh, in, in the results you're getting, your decision-making process is perfectly designed to get whatever result, negative result, or positive result that you're getting. And we're going to dive into this right now. All right? So the need, then, is a process for making wise decisions. The need is a process for making wise decisions. What kinds of decisions? Well, first, there are moral decisions. Moral decisions are choices between right and wrong. There are things that in the, in, in the Scripture that are specifically commanded. There are things in Scripture that are specifically prohibited. Uh, and so uh, the, these things are called God's prescribed will. Uh, love your neighbor. Uh, do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Things like this. 
God has prescribed certain things already in the Bible and, uh, and, 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 and or commanded, commanded or prohibited. And so uh, these are moral decisions. So you're, these are decisions between right and wrong. And the governing principle is what? Obedience. You either, you either do it or you don't do it. So uh, in terms of making a wise decision for a moral decision, the governing principle is obedience. And then the second kind of decision are priority decisions. And these are choices between right and right. Uh, it's called the adiaphora. You've heard me talk about this a thousand times if you've been here. It's a Latin term uh, in, in theology. It just means the gray. It means that uh, there's no single one right answer. Uh, do I get the green car or the red car? Do I marry the blonde or the brunette? Do I live in that neighborhood or this neighborhood? Do my kids go to this school or private? Or uh, do I live in Albuquerque or Anchorage or Orlando? You know, these are the kinds of decisions that are not prescribed. Uh, and uh, the Bible says that all things are permissible. It also says that they may not be beneficial. I think that's in two places in the uh, First Corinthians, maybe 6. Well, don't hold me that. Anyway, all things are per permissible, but not all things are beneficial. So, uh, and, 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 and so when we're trying to make a decision between right and right, and by the way, this is almost all the decisions that we make, right? Almost all the decisions we make uh, are, are, are really priority decisions uh, during the course of the day, big and little. Uh, uh, we do make some moral decisions, but most of the decisions tend to be choices between right and right. Uh, do I turn left to go home or do I go the long way? You know, the governing principle then for making a choice between two rights is what? It's wisdom, making the wise choice. So we're going to spend a lot of time unpacking this here in uh, just a few moments. But I want to talk to you about the third kind of decision, and those are God's decrees. There are things that cannot be changed. These are decisions, but they're just not yours. <laughs> <laughs> the, the color of your skin, your height, uh, your intelligence. Uh, uh, if you have a if you have a uh, a chronic illness, uh, there's so many. If you you know if you're five foot six and and uh, and uh, want to be an NBA superstar, no chances are that's not going to happen. But if you happen to like work, working with numbers, you might make an excellent accountant. So there's some things that God has decreed about you in terms of attitudes, abilities, capacities, and so forth. That, and so the, the governing principle with regard to God's decrees, decisions, that, that's another kind of decision, right? The governing principle there is acceptance. So the serenity prayer, most of you, uh, probably all of you, uh, have heard of, heard of this. It's big in AA, but it's actually part of a longer prayer by a, a theologian uh, named Reinhold Niebuhr, lived about 100 years ago, died about 100 years ago, a little over 100 years ago. And he said, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So where God's made decrees, acceptance, uh, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, but serenity to accept the things I can't change. All right? So those are the three kinds of decisions, and uh, the need here is a process for making wise decisions, but first we had to know what kind of decisions have to be made or can be made or are made. And then the big idea, again, your decision-making process is perfectly designed 
to produce whatever results you are getting. So when you think about these three kinds of decisions, moral priority decrees, and the decisions that you're making, whatever process, uh, whatever results you're getting, you've got a process, uh, either an intentional process or an unintentional process for making decisions. You have a, you have a predetermined approach. You, you just may not, everybody has a predetermined approach to how they make decisions. Uh, uh, so what I want to do, though, is I want to give you a predetermined decision-making process, the next thing we're going to talk about. And uh, I'm going to show you mine. Uh, everybody, everybody has a system. Uh, I remember early in my career, uh, I met with, it was amazing how many people would be with a 24-year-old kid, but... Um, uh, I, w I made appointments with successful people all around town. And I just asked them, you know, the secrets of their success and so forth. And I found out that every single one of them had a process or a system uh, to, get w to, to get where they got. And, and you know what the, uh, the, all the systems had in common? Almost nothing. <laughs> but but, 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 but it, they had one thing in common. They had a system. They had a process. And so you have a process. Uh, this is mine. You could, uh, you know, use this to think about your shadow case, your own system. But I think this is this is useful to think think through. Uh, and so, look, I don't necessarily make uh, good decisions, right, uh, all the time. Um, but uh, I would say that I am increasingly over the years making better decisions, wiser decisions. And, 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 the, and the percentage of bad decisions has, has, has gone down. I still make bad decisions. Uh, I love the day. Some of you guys remember the days I was trading, uh, trading in vintage Porsches. And I saw one on uh, eBay, uh, eFraud.com. And uh, uh, eBay and uh, sorry if you're on eBay stock. But anyway, uh, yeah, on eBay. And it, it had this uh, beautiful uh, vintage Porsche. Porsche and... Uh, it, and the price was too good to be true, right? Well, I'd never heard about Western Union fraud before. <laughs> and it said, you know, if if you and so we did some exchanging, you know, on the eBay, and I was supposed to send four thousand five hundred dollars uh, as a deposit, you know, uh, 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 for for the, for the car, and then that would secure it, and I would and send it to Western Union to such and such. Well, I'd never heard about Western Union fraud. I'd never even used Western Union before, but I was greedy, right? I had some greed. Uh, my life didn't consist in the abundance of my possessions, but I was certainly interested in that Porsche. <laughs> and so I, I lost the money. But, but I don't make that decision uh, uh, anymore and uh, because uh, it was another learning in my development of my own decision-making process. So here's my process, and... And I think there, there are six parts of this. The first is just to figure out what type of decision you're making. This is almost intuition, all right? You, you don't even have to really think about this. You, you know, is it a moral decision? Is it a choice between right and wrong? Is it a priority decision between right and right? Or is it something God's decreed? But that, that helps a lot because if it's something decreed or something moral, then I don't have to think about it. I just, I just, I just follow follow it wherever it's supposed to go. So that's very helpful because a lot of people spend a lot of time wrestling over moral decisions. 
I mean, really, well, if you think about it, you know, do I, do I declare this $500 of income that nobody ever heard of or, and would never know about on my income tax? You know, and they wrestle with that where you don't really, for me, I don't have to wrestle with that because it's a moral decision. There's a morally right and a morally wrong choice. And so that choice has kind of already been made or uh, at, the, at, at this point in my spiritual journey, I don't have to uh, fuss around with that. So <clears throat> there are three fork in the road questions when you come to one of these decisions. <clears throat> Excuse me. If, if it's a moral decision, then I just, you ask, okay, what does obedience look like? If it's a priority decision, okay, what, <laughs> what does wisdom look like? And if it's something that is decreed, what does acceptance look like? That's pretty simple, wouldn't you say? So that's the first part, first part of the process. The second part of the process is uh, my uh, decision-making dashboard. The, the three mindsets, three mindsets that I've developed over the years that actually I think God would have appreciated it if I would have plugged into this the first year I'd become a Christian. Instead, it took me you know a few decades to get here. But anyway, the mindset of a son, the mindset of a steward, and the mindset of a servant. And so uh, I, I have a spiritual dashboard. I've talked about it here once uh, right after I've finished formula, but I, I, I do. These are, these are the three questions I ask myself all the time. When I have a decision, figure out what type it is, and then I have a dashboard. I have three gauges on my dashboard. And the first gauge is the mindset of a son, the second is the mindset of a steward, the third is the mindset of a servant. And so the first gauge, the question is, okay, what would love do? That's my life first. Do everything in love, First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. What would love do? Uh, that really solves a lot of problems of decision-making. What would love do? That's the mindset of a son. The second question is, what does faithful look like? <clears throat> That's the mindset of a servant. First, uh, First Corinthians chapter... Or verse 2, I believe, says, Now it is required that whomever has been given a trust, something to steward, must be found successful. Actually, it's not what it says. It says, Not to whomever has been given a trust, they must be found faithful. And so God doesn't call us to be successful. Uh, he calls us to be faithful. He's not calling us to produce a particular outcome. He's calling us to be faithful. And so in every situation, in every decision, the, the mindset of a steward is what does faithful look like? So the first question, what would love do on the first gauge? In the middle gauge, okay, what does faithful look like in this situation, in this decision? And then the third one is, uh, is the mindset of a servant. Jesus uh, tells the, the story about a man out in a field. The uh, band master comes in. He doesn't tell his servants to sit down and eat with him. He says, you know, prepare my food and then you can eat. And Jesus says in Luke 17, verse 10, and you also, when you have done everything that you were told to do, should say we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. And so the mindset of a servant, an advanced state of walking with the Lord, I think, is what does the master need? What does the master need? So these three mindsets part of a predetermined process, figuring out what type the decision is, moral priority or decree, and then uh, the three mindsets, uh, the dashboard for the son, the steward, 
steward and the servant. And then the next thing is uh, understand. So what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Well, there are lots of differences between knowledge and wisdom. I mean, philosophers have been talking about this in tens of thousands of books about it, but one of the key, ele one of the key elements, uh, one of the key distinctions between knowledge and wisdom is that there is an understanding, there's a deep understanding that takes place. And so, <clears throat> early in my career, uh, I was in real estate, and uh, a friend of mine was in uh, banking, and he, he was getting started in his career, I was getting started in mine, and it, he, he ended up being my banker. And so, I don't know where I got this idea, but I said, hey, why don't, I got it for somebody else, I'm sure, but I said, hey, why don't we go to lunch once a month, and I'll teach you something about real estate, and you can teach me something about banking. So we did that for years. And uh, at one point, uh, Mike said to me, he said, he said well, my, my philosophy is I don't do, do, do anything I, I don't understand. I don't make any loan that I don't understand. And boy, it just clicked with me. Man, I need to make sure I'm not doing deals I don't really understand. Guess what? I went ahead and did some anyway. But uh, uh, but that was that was the wrong kind of greed, you know. That was the wrong kind of envy, the wrong kind of ambition. Uh, but doing some, you know. So, but from from 1987 on, I have endeavored not perfectly, of course, but I have endeavored because. Uh, the, I, I, I did a deal over in Melbourne, uh, built built this big office service center. The, the real estate market collapsed. I mean, I went over to Vero Beach one day to speak at a CBMC lunch, and on the way back, I went by this all these empty buildings that I owned and and, and owned and owned, right? And and at, I literally drove literally drove around to the back of the building, got out of my car, and laid prostrate on the grass, and and cried out, begged to God. I was there for you know, 10 to 15 minutes just begging God to deliver me because it was a stupid decision, not a wise decision. Oh, stupid. That reminds me. Remember, I, I mentioned that uh, Sam, Samuel Levinson, he was an American humorist, and uh, he said, uh, so it won't be funny the second time you've heard it, but he said, it's easy to be wise, just think of something stupid and then don't say it. You remember that? Yeah. It's actually a paraphrase. And he, he actually said, it's simple to be wise. Just think of something stupid and then do the opposite. That's what he actually said. So don't do things you don't understand. I mean, that you want to make a wise decision, just just make sure you... I can't always have all the information, but... Uh, and then next, the seven means. And so these are the seven means of guidance. We're not going to go through them because we don't have time to go through them, but... Uh, they are the Word of God, prayer. These are the designated means that you find in Scripture to make, uh, to find guidance on, uh, on decisions if you want to have a spiritual guidance. The Word of God, prayer, the Holy Spirit, circumstances, counsel, conscience, and fasting. So Word of God, has God already spoken? <laughs> if He's already spoken, you don't need to go further. Prayer, what is, what is God saying to your heart? The Holy Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said. Your circumstances, we talked about being 5-6 uh, and not playing uh, NBA counsel. Uh, there's uh, wisdom in, in an abundance of counselors, the uh, Proverbs say. Your conscience, better as better as a, uh, a 
a yellow light or a red light than a green light because sometimes your conscience be, can be clear but it could still be off face, by the way. And then fasting, a, a great way to bring the physical, the physiological uh, into a, a place where it's more receptive to the spiritual. So that, that we got the type of decision, the three mindsets, understanding what you're doing, the seven means, and then then understanding that uh, when you get into this adiaphora, when you get into these priority decisions, uh, the, the distinction between permissible and beneficial. So just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And so just uh, just to be sure to count the cost of, of making the wrong choice. Sometimes, you know, uh, the, 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 the benefit is really, really cool. But the downside risk is so bizarre. Uh, you know, it, it might be, uh, in a, I think you're right then, of, of an investment. But it could be a, a relationship, too. You might just say, um, uh, you know, I know it's permissible to, to hang with these people and so forth. Uh, but they're killing you. They're killing you. They're just, they're dragging you down. You come here, you get all pumped up. You go there, you get all pumped out. You know what I'm saying? All right. And then uh, finally, um, some scenario, well, not finally, but some scenarios and red flags with this permissible and beneficial. So uh, one scenario is you already know what to do. All right. <clears throat> so <clears throat> there, that's a scenario. If you already know what to do, then you know what a wise decision looks like. Next is, a, is a, that you have a preference. And so the problem with the preference is, is that if, if you're standing at a fork on the road, and these are all, let's just say you're at a fork of the road, and you have to go left or right. You're standing at a fork on the road, and you, and you really want to really date that girl. You really don't want to date this one over here. So you have a strong preference, right? And so just, just be aware that in decision-making, you're trying to make a wise decision, just understand that when you're making a decision and you have a, press, a preference, that you are looking for evidence to support the decision that you want to make or perhaps have already made. And so that's a caution, right? It's a red flag. And then the next is even worse. It's a made-up mind. A made-up mind is almost impossible to change. Uh, if you guys are married, know that. And then uh, you have an addiction. Uh, and this is, this is a little bit deeper. This is really a red flag. You have an addiction. It could be materialism. It could be that you want to be a somebody, you know, want to be famous. And, or it could be a substance. It could be sex, whatever it is. And uh, so making wise decisions in this area, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, you know, again, it may be permissible, but it's certainly not beneficial. And so, and then another final scenario is, you know, it's go time. You know, you have to make a decision. You have to go to the left or the right. And uh, I would just say, w when you feel like you have to make a decision, do you really? My, my, own, my own personal experience is uh, most decisions can wait two weeks. I really, I really never, I mean, obviously if you're, uh, you know, about to run into the back of a, of a bus that stopped on the highway, you have to, you have to either swerve or hit the brakes. I, that's not the kind of decision I'm talking about, but major decisions, <clears throat> you know, you, 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 you have to decide, do you want to make, are you going to invest in my deal or not? You have to make a decision now. No, I don't. No, I don't. Um, so just a couple red flags uh, and things to think about in those scenarios. And then finally, peace. Okay, and this is the last item in, uh, in my decision-making process and many people's decision-making process. And that is that peace is the umpire. Peace is the umpire. If, 
if you have a check in your spirit about whether or not you're making a wise decision, that's the Holy Spirit. If you're walking with God, that's the Holy Spirit. Oh, if you're not walking with God, it probably is anyway. It's the whole, if, if you know God and you're not working with him and that you have a check in your spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. Peace is the empire. That's why uh, sometimes uh, I postpone decisions. Like I just, I just stopped being a positional leader at Man in the Mirror. I took over two years to make that decision. Because it, and why did it take so long? It's because I just didn't, I didn't get to the point of peace. I didn't have the understanding. I hadn't processed everything. So that, that one took a long time. Others don't necessarily take so long, obviously. Okay, the big idea today, your decision-making process is perfectly designed to produce the results you're getting. So what is the major decision or any kind of decision that you're trying to make today? And then what does your process look like? Because you do have a process, and it's perfectly designed to produce whatever kind of results you're getting. So if you don't like your results, you don't like the results you're getting with your decisions, uh, then consider making an adjustment uh, to your process. Make sense? Let us pray. Our Father, thank you so much for your 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 word. Just is so rich and full, and uh, we all do want to lead this good life. And uh, thank you for reminding us through the Book of James here that that wisdom is the foundation of a good life and help us to be able to make good and wise decisions. And I pray that you would animate and enliven our discussion style for your glory and sake alone and no other reason. Thank you for joining us today. You can find the Man in the Mirror Bible Study wherever you listen to podcasts as well as on our YouTube page. If you have found this helpful, please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and share the podcast with friends. Since 1986, Man in the Mirror has been teaching the Bible, helping us reflect deeply as men and apply God's truth to our lives. This Bible study is recorded in front of a live audience every Friday morning outside of Orlando, Florida. If you need help navigating your life or leading other men, please go to maninthemirror.org and check out our vast library of Bible study videos, blogs, and articles on Christian growth and leadership. There are plenty of resources you can use to grow in your faith and help others grow too. At maninthemirror.org, you will find books written just for men, helpful materials for your church's ministry to men, and even a potential career in men's discipleship. If you're a man personally struggling in life or you need help in discipling men, please send us an email at biblestudy at maninthemirror.org and let us know how we can help.